tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. On this episode of This League... We get into how Shaq found the worst time to possibly criticize Donovan Mitchell. Why taking a man's locker is the ultimate sign of disrespect. I crack Kyrie Irving's IG emoji code, folks. And we also have a cool interview with Sam Esfandiari and Andy Liu. They're both Warriors insiders about the drama going into Golden State. We also read some of my DMs. So without further ado, I always thought Donovan Mitchell was smart. The kind of guy who seems to think things through. You don't come to Donovan Mitchell if you're looking for a hot take. You just don't. Until fucking now. Until right now. Do you know, Marty, what is required for a PB&J sandwich? I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bread. Peanut butter. Jelly. Even five-year-olds know what's in a PB&J. Doesn't matter the jelly, doesn't matter if you have crunchy or creamy peanut butter, ciabatta, or Wonder Bread. Those are the three things. That's it. I thought the world knew that, but apparently not Donovan Mitchell. Wait, what are, what are we talking about here? <laughs> apparently Donovan Mitchell just got on Twitter and sounded off on what is the perfect ratio between PB and jelly on a PB&J sandwich. Zero. This is what he says. Oh, I did see this. Yes. He said... 0% peanut butter, 100% jelly. 0% peanut butter? That's whack. (laughs) Listen, I get some people don't like peanut butter, but if that's you, you don't get an opinion on PB&J talk. If you don't like peanut butter, you don't get an opinion on said topic. No shot. You don't like one-third of the ingredients, so what are we doing? That's like saying you like tacos, but you don't like taco shells. (laughs) Like, that's not a taco. So, no Taco Tuesday for you. So, Spider, you just don't like PB&J. That's just it. You can't have just jelly. That's that's just the case. But right now... It's funny because he's posting all this, and this is right now probably the least controversial Donovan Mitchell take out there (laughs) because the spider Mitchell takes are flying around, boy. And my problem, I've been watching Donovan Mitchell a long time, my problem is not the take. It's the timing of the take. And boy, oh boy, was the timing of this take bad. So this is what happened. Donovan Mitchell, did you watch the game? I did. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell balling out. 21 points in the first half alone. They're on a seven-game win streak. They're rolling, right? Halftime. Jack, Chuck, Kenny. Even fucking little EJ came in with his little shiv at the end. And the TNT guys decided today is the day we are going to finally go after Donovan Mitchell. Is that the point of superstardom where he can take you there? Or he's still all-star status? He needs to be second or third option. Really? Yeah. Yeah. See, that, yeah. I, I, he, had, second? He, has, he has enough talent to do it, but... Hmm. What holds him? Because, see, I'm, th- I'm seeing... Well, I'm know, seeing listen, he's, that he well, scores he, at will, and I'm seeing he's, he's overpowering people. Yeah, no, but he does score what a superstar is. Okay. Exactly. And then after the game... Shaq decides that in the post-game interview, he's going to confront Donovan Mitchell about the shit that he said earlier. First of all, let me just say this. When someone tells you and they preface what they're about to say by saying, you're, you're one of my favorite players to watch, something's coming. Yeah. You're, you know, Donovan, I love you. You're one of my favorite players to watch. But 
I just don't think you have it. <laughs> Spider should have been like, what? Is this right now? We're on a seven-game win streak. I'm on a heater. You're trashing me eight seconds after I win the game? About how I can never perform? Can I grab a Gatorade before you come for me or what? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty tough luck. It was cringe, too. Yeah. You saw that Donovan Mitchell when Shaq said, Oh, Donovan, you're one of my favorite players. You see on the video, yeah. he's smiling like, oh, man, one of the greats says I'm one, of, I'm one of his favorite players. And then his smile erases like that. Man, the timing is bad. But to me, the take is not. This is exactly what I've been saying for a year. Donovan Mitchell is not going to be someone that you can rely on in high leverage moments. The only thing that really matters in the NBA is the playoffs. The regular season is meaningless. It's cute. It's fun. We all love watching it. It's exciting. But if you want to assess someone's ceiling, it's the playoffs and only the playoffs. Do you agree with that, Marty? Oh, sure. Definitely. When you talk about you know, what all a player has in them and everything that adds up, yeah, it, it's the playoffs. That's it. Yeah. End all, be all. And so no matter how good Donovan Mitchell is, because he's very good, again, he's one of my favorite players to watch. <laughs> I also, I too love Donovan Mitchell. He can score in bunches. He's explosive. He's got skills. He's job dropping. All those things, we know, are all those things. But when he goes cold, <laughs> oh, my God, does he go cold for days. He could go three, four games at a time, just bricks. Yeah, just disappear. Yeah. And you're like, he knows it too. What's colder? You know that, uh, that like, uh, hey, uh, we're like, what's colder than being cold? <laughs> Ice cold. That's Donovan Mitchell. That is Donovan Mitchell. It is gross to watch. He is one of the worst people to watch on a cold streak because he doesn't do anything else. It's not like he's Russell Westbrook where he's like, oh, wow, he got that rebound and he blocked someone, st stolen the ball. No, no, he's legitimately doing Nothing. Yeah, becomes a complete negative. Complete <laughs> liability. So no shot to Donovan Mitchell as a human. I've interviewed him a few times. He's a great guy. I would never speak to someone like that, like Shaq did to Donovan Mitchell, right after he goes off. That was some gall. Whew. Is he capable? Is Donovan Mitchell capable of doing more? No. I said maybe when I thought of it to myself, but right now the answer is no. <laughs> the problem, though, is that he's also on a team of guys who also disappear. Rudy Gobert can go away for stretches. Mike Conley can go away for stretches. So you can't have three guys on a team that can go away for stretches and actually be built for the playoffs. There's no way. That's why they got bounced out of the first round last year. Were they, they were up 3-1 on Denver, right? And then just... Just stopped. Just yeah. stopped. It was just like the church. That was that. So, yeah. The thing that I, I think that the haters or the trolls or whatever, listeners, fans, Donovan Mitchell fans will say, get, get it confused. This is, not, this is not to say he's not good. Every player in the NBA is good. He is elite. He is an all-star, which means he is elite of the elite. Another echelon. What we're wondering is whether he can do anything else besides score the basketball, put the ball in the hoop to elevate his team. Statistically, we know, because Ernie said it in the, uh, in the halftime, which we didn't play, but he said, Donovan, by the way, before we go, Donovan Mitchell's only had one double-digit rebounding game in his entire career. <laughs> so statistically, we know Donovan Mitchell cannot do that. <laughs> That's a crazy stat. Yeah, that's bizarre. And that's what's necessary to win a championship. You ask Damian Lillard, you ask Chris Paul, you ask Steph Curry. When they go cold, they all try to do something else, facilitate, play make, et cetera. Yeah, really, Steph, Steph will come out of nowhere and have like a really good rebounding game every now and yeah. then. That is funny about his game. Sometimes yeah. Steph will lead the team in rebounds yeah. when he's ice cold. He did that not, that not too long ago. You have to affect the game when the shot's not falling or you're not going to win in the playoffs. And the truth is, when Spider is ice cold, he can't buy a bucket, he is a liability. Even if that take comes at the wrong time, that is the facts.
Support for this league is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience, which is huge. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for your below-the-waist grooming needs. I tell you what, I've got a guy that I'm dating, and I don't mess around. I want him to be perfectly groomed. So, until I found out about Manscaped, I would make him go get waxed. That's for real. And (laughs) it's a terrifying experience for a man to have to go under, I guess it's not under the knife, but it's under the wax balls. Under the balls, wax balls. So anyway, what I ended up doing was just getting him Manscaped instead. So now he doesn't have to go to the groomer. And now he can take care of it all by himself. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created called the Lawnmower 3.0. Much better than the typical other competitors that he used in the past, which led him to go to the groomer and the wax uh, technician to begin with. So their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean it is premium, high-end stuff. Uh, The battery lasts like 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. It's actually something that I, I think, have considered doing if I wanted to take a break from waxing myself. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower, which is insane. Uh, kind of one of the coolest features, along with the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trim. Also, they've upgraded their motor to a 7,000 RPM, quiet stroke technology, and let's not forget, folks, about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is conveniently charging And it's a dock powered by USB. So if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this now for yourself, man or woman. Please, go on. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off free shipping with the code LEAGUE20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LEAGUE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Please use the code LEAGUE20. Handle your business, boys. Handle it. Something something is going on in the water in Cleveland. Uh, what do you mean? Like, like Lake Erie catching fire or something? <laughs> I know. That's good. That's a good joke, though. What I mean is... There's something going on in the Cleveland Cavaliers locker room because there are two events, two confrontations that have happened on one out of 30 teams. And both of those incidents have ended in a food fight. No, excuse me. Food assault, actually. (laughs) Because a food fight really implies that, like, everyone's doing it, that I throw at you, you throw at me. No, this is one guy taking a hot bowl of soup, and it's like, splash! Burn yourself. I would say this is unusual, not only just the fact that it's happening on this team or professional sports, but it is unusual as a method of conflict resolution as a whole. Have you ever seen anyone throw food? Throw food? I feel like no. I may be able to like deep dive and think of something, but my my uh, initial answer is no. I've never seen it. <laughs> I've never personally done it. I think my mom threw tomato juice at me one time Oof. because I wouldn't return a library book. I was like sixteen, seventeen. It was brutal. It's an overreaction. It was a oh, it was a big time overreaction. <laughs> but we have a pattern of food assaults now in the Cleveland Cavaliers locker room. Let me explain. The Cavs, as most folks know, are an irrelevant franchise, historically speaking, outside of when LeBron was there. And there are things that the organization does that tells you that things aren't exactly a well-oiled machine there. (laughs) 
I could go into many, but I won't bore you with the details because there are a lot. But they're trying to turn a new leaf, you know? They still, the problem is that they still have, when you turn a new leaf, you still have vestiges of that old mentality and that old way of thinking. They hang around. There are guys who are still hanging around who shouldn't be there. Let me introduce you now in our plot to Kevin Porter Jr., the protagonist of this <laughs> Greek food tragedy. So, okay, so the Cavs went all in on Kevin Porter Jr. in 2019. They, they paid a lot, I feel like, to draft him. Marty, how much did they pay? Yeah, it was more than people really remember. So they, they traded up to 30, uh, same spot Jimmy Butler was taken, just uh, FYI. And uh, they sent uh, four second-rounders and uh, $5 million cash to go snag him. I feel like that's a guy that can't miss then when you pay that much for him. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you'd you'd like him to be on your team longer than a year. You would like that. In reality, though, we knew prior, anyone who was deep diving knew that Kevin Porter Jr. was a risk. He had more red flags than John Wall's bandana drawer. And <laughs> that's a blood joke, Marty. I got it. <laughs> I got it. So many question marks. Heading into the draft, he uh, got suspended for personal conduct reasons. He's, I mean, he's a top 10 talent, they said, but you knew that it was a flyer, and a bunch of teams passed on him. When, when James Dolan of the New York Knicks respectfully says, I pass, that tells you pretty much all you need to know about a player. So enter Cleveland Cavalier Kevin Porter, Jr., Hasn't played many games, didn't play really a lot last year, taking a pause this year for some personal reasons. Hasn't been around the squad. And then something interesting happened. They started winning games. Sexland. Mm-hmm. Remember, Sexland. And Andre Drummond is balling out, and they made a couple of trades. They got this guy, Torian Prince, to come in and fill the shoes of a wing. Got Jared Allen. And that is when, right at that moment, Kevin Porter Jr. decided, I would like to come back to the team, too. The problem is, those guys, those new players, they needed a place, like all players do, to store their belongings. That place just happened to be where Kevin Porter Jr. was storing his. And that wasn't anyone's fault really it was jb bickerstaff saying yo take this locker this guy's not using it this is your locker now i don't know who moved his stuff someone did and then kevin porter jr returned back to the team and was like yo where's my stuff (laughs) (laughs) uh it's been moved this this is now torian prince's locker someone else's dirty draws and stinky sneakers was in his locker And he had a normal, logical, adult reaction. He lost his goddamn mind on Torian Prince. (laughs) This innocent bystander trying to fit in with his new teammates, just doing what the coaches says. And all of a sudden, his new teammate, he's like, just been there a few days. There's already a physical altercation popping off. You think he saw Kevin Porter Jr.'s stuff in in the locker? And he's like, this is my locker now, punk. (laughs) No, like, come on now. It was done by the organization. But Kevin Porter Jr., he took that shit really personal, like very personal. His locker was jacked, and is it fair that he lost his mind? Again, the TNT boys sounded off on that. Apparently it's a big deal. That's disrespectful. I mean, I don't care if you're the first man, 12th man. You can't move my locker without without calling me and be like, hey, we're going to move your stuff and move it from one area. First of all, there's personal things in there. Let's start there. Secondly, like, that is the ultimate sign. There's three things that are the signs of respect for players. (laughs) Their area, you know it is, their area. Their uniform number, <laughs> like, all of a sudden you come in like, oh, we gave you a number to Shaq because we just, whoa, whoa, wait. Like, that would be disrespectful. So that is a disrespectful. 
I would say those guys know best. And, yeah, you're touching someone's belongings, their underwear, their weed, their steroids. Who knows? <laughs> the one thing that we know for sure. Is that a DeAndre Ayton shot? Yes, it is. Okay. No one wants other people's paws on their stuff. Cavs came in and were like, you're over there now, Kevin. And Kevin was like, food? You see this PB&J? <laughs> 60% peanut butter, 40% jelly, like duck. This thing's coming your way fast. <laughs> At least it wasn't, it was just a, a world-class tantrum. Just, and apparently there were some words exchanged too, words that J.B. Bickerstaff, I'm not sure if you saw this, but J.B. Bickerstaff said that in all of his time, the head coach, in all of his time in the NBA, he's never heard these words before. Huh. I don't know what those words could be, but he's been around the league in locker rooms for over 20 years. Right. That had to be impressively uh, offensive language. <laughs> yep. You had to be saying some slurs and some curse words in a combination that was creative. <laughs> <laughs> but the wildest thing is that this isn't even the first time that it's happened. You had food assault where there was a guy who took his hot tortilla soup. This is a real story. Hot tortilla soup, first bowl out of the pot, and he tossed it on his assistant coach, scalded him. Didn't speak for months. Marty, hit the audio. I want to know. Okay. Did he throw the soup at you, or did he throw the bowl along with the soup at you? <laughs> like, did he, like, pour the soup on you, or did he launch the bowl? Well, uh, for a long time, I... I refuse to talk about the soup incident. This is a safe space. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's okay now because I, I've moved on. Uh, me and JR, so we've glad. talked about it, and, and, you know, he apologized. But it was the bowl plus the soup. The bowl and the soup. And, and it was the first bowl out of the pot, so it was hot as Oh, hell. no. Yes, it was Oh, hot. no. Very hot. So how? Where did it get you? Get the chest? You <laughs> uh, seated? It went everywhere. No, I was standing up. Oh, you were standing time. up? Yeah, I was standing up, and it hit me and shoulder, arm, everywhere. It uh, hit the wall, and, I mean, it was a mess. Oh, oh wow. man. Yeah. Did he throw with his left hand or right? Wow. I remember that story like it was yesterday, and it still tickles me. It's it's very sad uh -huh. someone would rise to that level, but just soup. It's easy to forget about, like, and like I, I love Jr. And for some reason, I had just like erased this completely from my mind. But one of the weirder stories, like, of the last decade, maybe, like, just in terms of just bizarre NBA stories. hundred percent, hundred percent. And now you have Kevin Porter Jr. doing the same exact thing. I don't think it was soup. But, man, that experiment ended fast, and it was expensive. 50 games he played for the team, and food assault comes into play, and now the Cavs are just struggling to find anyone who's willing to take him. Like, imagine, Marty, like I call you up. You're the, we'll call you the Suns GM. Okay. And I'm like, ring, 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 ring. Oh, good morning, Marty. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what do you say? Uh, how we doing, Trista? What do you need? Yeah, hey, uh, we've got a great, a tremendous wing for you. Um, came from USC, tremendous talent. We just have some, a lot of depth on our team right now, so we need to get rid of some pieces. Uh, great kid, uh, really great arm, Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, oh, right, yeah. No, we were high on him in the draft, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what would you guys be willing to trade for him? Uh, I'll throw in, uh, I'll throw in, uh, Abdel Nader. Yeah, and then it's like, <laughs> click. <laughs> so, he ends up getting traded for this, like, top 55 protected pick, which means they probably won't get anything for him, and do you know where he ends up? Of course, he ends up in Houston. <laughs> Slumlord Tillman Fertitta's like, I'll take him. I'll take him for free. Yeah, it's trash. I'll take that free couch off the side of the road. <laughs> I have a room it can fit in. Yeah, I'll take that gamble. Wow. So, Marty. Yes. Here we are again being the Nets podcast that we are. We need to 
go into detail that Kyrie Irving is using Instagram to send messages and symbols to the world again. Please tell me what he just posted. Yeah, you have forced me to finally follow him as well. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, it's just a, a picture post with text, and the text says, uh, we will be on that stage, the stage where the best of the best meet. You know the main stage. Where those who can do and those who cannot talk about those that are doing. If you're rolling with us, great. Let's rock. If you're not, you know you want to talk about our greatness anyway with a bunch of exclamation points. And then there's some emojis too, right? Uh, Jewish star, fist, Aries symbol, Leo symbol, and then the uh, shrug. So what I think is funny is not really the caption. We'll get into the caption, which is basically right. <laughs> basically like when I get trolled so much on Twitter that I say a tweet like, Oh, it must be sad to be an internet troll. That's basically what Kyrie Irving yeah. is doing. <laughs> he's like, he's basically like, oh, you're going to be talking about our greatness anyway. We're going to be on this stage. If you don't see it now, then, you know, whatever. You know, like mm. you've been, you've been got. The chatter is getting to Kyrie Irving. But the funniest thing to me was, was the astrological symbols. Mm-hmm. Because Kyrie, you don't put astrology in your caption, your own your own symbol, the Aries, Kyrie Irving is an Aries, unless you're a big fan and you buy in to your astrological, your zodiac sign. He places so much value that he puts his sign in his IG posts. People who are about that life, they know their sign. They're fucking annoying people, by the way, those people. Oh, They're yeah. like, oh, yes. Um, right now my star is rising and that means that I'm in for greatness is coming my way. The fact that Kyrie Irving thinks the stars and planets affect his life is like the least surprising thing ever. Exactly. (laughs) But he believes these things to be true. So I looked into his Zodiac. I sent you the descriptors Uh of a typical Aries. And I think you just might be a Zodiac believer after you read these two. Okay. All right. Uh, we've got uh, Aries are the leaders of the pack, first in line to get things going. Uh, weaknesses, lack of patience, uh, mood alterations, uh, predisposition for quick loss of temper, impulsiveness, uh, aggressiveness. And Aries will always tell you what they're thinking with a frankness that may occasionally border on rudeness. Uh, Rams may also have a short fuse. Uh, when an Aries is angry, they'll never play the passive-aggressive card, but for people who don't know them well, their temper can be a turnoff. Are you a believer now? <laughs> oh, a, a little bit. The needle has moved a little bit. Aries believe that they are number one, and they are the leader of the pack. They believe that it is their birthright to be in that top of the hierarchy, the celestial moons and the stars they have aligned when they were born for that to be them and now what do we have we have Kyrie Irving playing third fiddle when he knows in his heart of hearts because the stars made it true (laughs) he is a leader of men he should be in charge this is only a matter of time before he (laughs) self-destructs before this whole thing dissipates he's already not speaking to Nash I don't know if you saw it but when he hit that game winner, all of his teammates are around him. Ah, Kai, Kai, Kai. Didn't see Nash anywhere nearby. No. Not even in the frame, folks. Tensions are high. So the side note is that, yes, of course, KD responded to the post, right? He's like, go off, King, meaning that their lover's quarrel has now been diffused. But Andre Drummond the center for the Cleveland Cavaliers, also responded. Big facts, fire emoji, emoji, emoji. (laughs) The team that just smoked the Nets twice is saying facts to a post that Kyrie Irving made about them being in the final stage at the end where only the greats are there. And Andre is like, I agree. I agree you will be there. Maybe we will be there. So, I'm like, huh, that's interesting, because the Nets have been looking for a big man, and I heard that the Cavs were shopping Andre Drummond. 
And there again was another emoji in that post that we hadn't deciphered. We know what the Star of David is. Mm-hmm. We know what the fist is. We know what the Aries is. But who's the Leo? Leo's another astrological sign, Marty. And yeah. I, I looked up, okay, all right, let me look up KD's birthday. Nope, Libra. Let me look up James Harden's uh, one, something else. Let me look up Sean Marks' zodiac symbol, something else. <laughs> I'm like, who the hell is a Leo? You know who is a Leo? Who? Andre fucking Drummond is a Leo. <laughs> Man. I cracked the Kyrie Da Vinci code. I'm going to say it here first. The fucking stars literally are aligned Drummond to the Nets. So in the last episode, if you caught it, we talked a lot of time about the Golden State Warriors and the problems that are coming around the bend with Draymond Green and the big man James Wiseman, number two overall draft pick you know draymond famously cussed out kevin durant superstar you Mm -hmm. think he's worrying about james wiseman's feelings i do not (laughs) a week ago we saw draymond feverishly we'll call it um passionately coaching up james wiseman after he turned the ball over against the lakers and that became to me a sign of more to come Draymond obviously had thoughts in the post game, and he said, you know what, I'm going to try to make him better, and next time this happens, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to continue to be on his ass. And you know what, right after we filmed that night, last episode, he did it again. Did you see him? <laughs> I did. He got ejected <laughs> Just toss. because he was cussing his own teammate out, something so explosive. <laughs> That the refs had to get him out of the game. They thought he was talking to them, or maybe they were just appalled. Maybe he was working off the Kevin Porter Jr. slur list. I don't know. I'm not sure what it could have been, but, man, the league came out and they said, yep, we made a mistake. Draymond wasn't yelling at the refs. He, in fact, was yelling at his own teammate, James Wiseman. And I tell you what, me, I'm concerned still. So I hit up some guys that cover the Warriors and have been covering the Warriors for like 10 years. And I put the heat on these boys from the Bay. So we're going to find out what's going on with Draymond Green, what's going on with James Wiseman, what is happening with the entire Warriors team. There's a lot of suspicious things going on with Steve Kerr and these lineups. Uh, So let's bring on Sam Esfandiari and Andy Liu. We've got Sam Esfandiari and Andy Liu, the two members, the two hosts of the Light Years podcast, the de facto experts on everything. Well, this is video, Andy. You're just blowing off some steam, fam. It's okay. Uh, It's 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 nicotine. It's nicotine. We're good. It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) Two hosts. It's all good. Two hosts of the Light Years podcast. So I've got things to ask. Uh oh. I've got things to say. I've got things to ask. I've got thoughts. But we're just going to start off with softball. Eight and eight, 500. How are you feeling? Eh. <laughs> like, like, honestly, um, we're about to record our own pod after, after this. And it's just, just a lot of frustration with the coaching, more than anything. The, l- literally a week ago, Steph Curry hits a uh, behind the he, – he pulls a shot over Anthony Davis. They win the game. Honestly, it was pretty lucky. The Lakers looked like they kind of gave up in the third quarter. But Warriors fans are like, all right, this is going to be good. Then they beat down the Spurs. I'm like, okay, now we're going to get on a run here. Look like they're turning a corner. And yeah. then – and then the bottom falls out because Steve Kerr – I think Warriors fans are ready to get Steve Kerr fired. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I think for a large audience, I think they'll enjoy that one. Steve Kerr is probably one of the most stubborn coaches in, uh, well, I was going to say in sports, but at least in the NBA, he's got to be the most stubborn coach. He's playing just one of the worst starting lineups in the league, and he doesn't seem to want to stay away from that because I don't know. I don't know why. So it is statistically the worst starting lineup the worst. by like a substantial margin. It's one of those things where it's like if, if you saw Saturday night's game against Utah, they're just, they were down 20 points with, you know, three minutes off the clock. All of a sudden mm. it's like 22 to five. We're at the eight minute mark in the first quarter. And it's like, all right, what are we even doing now? Right. 
Just yeah, like, that game was over pretty much right as it started. I I think I had Warriors minus or Warriors plus six plus seven. Yeah, like Utah, Utah's the better team. It, it, I'm not I'm not like pretending they're not, but it's like the way in which the Warriors lose some of these games. It's just like you know, like they play a competitive game and then you know Utah pulls away because they're just a better team. It happens, right? But it's like just not showing up is just infuriating. It looked like like that opening night game. Like everyone saw that against the Nets. Or like, oh, are the Warriors going to be the worst team in the league again? You know, like yeah, that's that. Type what I of thought. Game. That's what I thought. <laughs> Who's in the starting lineup you think should be out? Oh, that's that's Kelly Oubre for me because I think I think it, you know maybe it should be James Wiseman. James Wiseman probably shouldn't even be playing basketball right now for a team that wants to be in the postseason. Like that, that's probably like something that, that shouldn't happen, but they have no choice, right? They're like, Hey, we don't have any size. Uh, we want to develop this guy. He's 19 years old. He's going to be our starting center for however much longer. So they're going to keep him in there. I think the guy that you can take out is, is gotta be Ubre who, who's fun. He's like, he's fun to watch. He plays really hard, but he doesn't pass. He doesn't really know what he's doing out there. And at least he'd be a nice microwave score off the bench, which is probably his best role. And just put Damian Lee, who's a shooter. Uh, in there and space the floor a little bit, but I, you know, they're paying $80 million in taxes <laughs> for Kelly Oubre. So I'm not sure if they want to do that either. It's He's brutal. Too- Kelly, Kelly, I think I can fill Kevin Durant shoes Oubre shooting 35% <laughs> from the field, 25%. Mm. From oh, is he up to 35 now? I yeah. That's well. pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> multiple, multiple games. So is this a team that wants to go to the playoffs? Well, I think that's like the interesting thing because it's like um, everything Steve Kerr says is like, we're building for the future. You know, it kind of makes sense when you draft a 19 year old number two overall, but then you have Steph Curry who's still in his prime and Draymond Green, who is not a very patient man in his own right. And it's like, it feels like mixed messages because like no one thinks they're a contender with, you know, Clay Thompson goes down before the season start that, that kind of changes expectations, but it's like, it's a weird spot where like, they're not really tanking for the future, but they're also not doing things to maximize the group, which they have right now. And I think that's, what's really frustrating. Um, I warrior fans, like I'll speak for myself here, but it's like, just just go for it with what you have and then you know maybe you get to the second round maybe you make some noise maybe that helps you in free agency and people are like wow yeah Steph Curry still one of the three or four best players in the league maybe if I go to that team I can help push them back into that contention like if I was that's the way I would be looking at it because like you still have Steph in his prime you shouldn't just be Wasting. Like what is it? What is, what is this like five year plan you're doing? He's 32 years old, right? Like I mean, I know Tom Brady's going to the Super Bowl and looks like he has another 20 years in him, but like Beast. generally that doesn't work out for for athletes. Like you know, just because LeBron looks like he's not slowing down at 36 does not mean Steph Curry has another eight years of his prime left. A couple of things that you mentioned that I think are really interesting. One, you talked about the development of a guy who's really young in James Wiseman. And you also talked about Draymond Green, who's very vocal, very stubborn. One of the most intriguing, for someone who hosts a podcast that likes to touch on storylines, this Draymond Green, James Wiseman, we'll call it relationship, is very interesting (laughs) to me. Hmm. From what I can see, it seems like James Wiseman is a little bit of a deer in headlights. Doesn't yes. know how to play organized basketball, in my opinion. Yes. I think, Dray- I think Draymond Green has maximized his potential and his physical limitations, we'll say, based on his IQ and the ability to know the game. He sees James Wiseman filled with physical gifts, and he's like, why don't you know how to play basketball, young king? So my thought is, James Wiseman is going to get paid a lot of money soon. What incentive is he going to have to add to his game at that point? Do you think there's a potential for James Wiseman to be like an Andrew Bynum? <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll throw this out there. Um, you, that is correct with Draymond. He did not particularly seem to love D'Angelo Russell last year, yep. who he viewed as someone yep. who had you know made more talent than him just in terms of like, scoring the ball and all that stuff. He didn't feel like he worked as hard as him or hard enough. Right. 
nothing I've seen gives me any indication that he feels that way about Wiseman now. Like right now, him and Steph Curry seem to really like him, which indicates that they think he works hard. But at a certain point, they'll probably get frustrated with like, all right, you know, it's, it's great that you, you know, run wind sprints with the best of them or something like that, but uh, it has to actually start translating. So I don't, I don't know when that'll come, but like, there's no sign that they are down on him at this point. It's actually quite the opposite. They feel, they seem to feel like really positive about him. It's like too, too positive almost. <laughs> they feel a little bit too positive about Wiseman. They think, I think they think he's like the next Anthony Davis. And so there's a lot of stuff with James Wiseman that's awesome, but there's a lot of stuff right now, even if he's 19, where it's like he doesn't really know like the feel of the game he doesn't really have, which is a little bit of the problem. I do think Draymond, a lot of this is him selfishly wanting to be like known as the guy that made James Wiseman into an elite NBA big. I think that's part of it. Like the next phase of Draymond's career is to be the next Shaq or Barkley and or like a front office guy, right? So I think this is like something he's going to say, well, I developed James Wiseman to the BS, be the best big in the NBA. I think that's like a lot of yeah, so When Wiseman dunks all over everyone in two years, he'll be like, that was all me. I, I, I think that that's happens. what he's going for here. Yep. <laughs> Which is I mean, it's kind of smart. But if you don't know the game by now, what, I mean, if you have no feel, because we know that a guy this big has basically made a living and gotten to this point based on that athletic ability, family struggling, right? At that point, having to do certain things that broke NCAA rules. If, if you're not understanding how to play organized basketball when you know that it's critical, what's going to happen once, once the Warriors pay him? So I, th- I think that's a different thing, though. Right now, when I watch him, I just think it's too f- everything's too fast for him. Like you watch him and you, you see you see like a guy who like literally played high school ball and then jumped to the NBA. And just because like physically he's an NBA guy does not mean mentally he can process the game that fast. I, I don't know if he ever will, though. Like, that, I mean, it's fair to say like, okay, so the game's too fast for him now. That does not mean in two years it slows down. It may or it may not. I don't know, you know, it's kind of one of those things, but it's, uh, you know, I guess it's, we'll see, I guess, I guess it gets back to the over the overriding question of the Warriors, which is like, he's probably two years away at minimum from being like a winning player, like being a guy you can feel confident about maybe starting on a playoff team. And in the meantime, you have Steph Curry, who's 32, you have Draymond Green, who's turning, he's 30. He's, they both are going to turn a year older in like the next month or so. Um, are they just going to like chill for like the next three years and like hope that like Wiseman, you know, like it all clicks for him at like 21 or 22 or are they like, they're kind of the only team in the NBA who's got like, they're on both trajectories, but like not committed to either one. Yep. Yep. That's and what that's concerns where, me the most as well. Yep. It's like, they're not the Spurs. They'd like, they, they love to think of themselves as like, we're the new Spurs. I'm like, I don't really recall this happening with like, Kawhi and when they had like the, you know like when Kawhi was like the young guy there it's like I still recall them winning like 55 to 60 games well I guess they would have if Clay was healthy like maybe not 60 games but they like they would have gotten there so like they're doing it a little bit hamstrung I think with Wiseman though the one the one real issue I think is he might be a little he might be a little soft like that's the only thing where I think where it's like I'm not talking about soft like like he just it doesn't like there are plays where he's gonna like he'll rip the rebound dunk it and then he'll get really excited but you just don't see that enough out of the guy a lot of this is like he's really young but a lot of it's like he wants steve Kerr says he wants him to talk to kg <laughs> and you remember like that's kg right like that's that's what he wants out of it you don't see that enough out of wiseman so maybe that's i think the only that that's the thing where it's like okay that's the problem i see right now would be like hey you might be a little soft and then if you are well because that's probably really not great not. to be around draymond though <laughs> Draymond's oh. like kill you <laughs> yeah i was gonna say because if, if that's like a real thing like he just doesn't like contact shies from contact so yeah. like, i don't think you grow out of that like you're either no. you're either the guy who likes to just bulldoze everyone physically or you're not like, like eric pascal right yeah yeah or, or draymond quite frankly <laughs> yeah. you know like that's so. like i mean he draymond has no problem uh mixing it up so to say no absolutely i think that's uh it's something to keep an eye on i'm calling it now I'm just I'm that that is my forecast now. This is not going to uh I don't think it's gonna get better. You guys can hold me accountable to that if James Wiseman becomes like the next AD or the next Giannis. 
Uh, speaking of hot takes that I've had that I've waffled on, please sell me on Steph Curry being Batman. Oh, come on. <laughs> Five straight finals, three without Kevin Durant. Let's keep that in mind. Did Kevin Durant play against your Portland Trailblazers when Steph set the record for points in a sweep? Did Steph play against Houston when he embarrassed James Harden and PJ Tucker and Chris Paul for like the 8 billionth time in a row? Like you can say what you want about KD, Kawhi. They're both physically more impressive. They can do certain things that Steph can't do by proxy of just the reality. Like Steph can't make himself 6'10". That's not something he can do, but he he is the centerpiece of the the best team of the last decade everything revolves around him and you know if you want to say katie's better than him i'm not opposed to it i just don't understand why they continue to win games at a higher clip when kd sat and steph played and not vice versa maybe that's a coaching thing i don't know but like he's 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 still very much one of those he's one of the like three or four players in the league i think you can actually build a title contender around would you like because it's been done (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i think i think there's a standard of steph curry that we don't even want him as batman i think there are a lot of people that want him to be superman where it's like there's just gifts like superman could kill batman in about two seconds right like that's that's the ongoing joke about batman um and i think that that's what you see out of someone like Michael Jordan. I don't even think LeBron is at that level. I think with Steph Curry, I think people want him to be like this unstoppable force, which he was for a while. And now that he n- not necessarily is, let's keep in mind though, he also, my favorite part is that he actually beat Kevin Durant in a seven game series in the postseason. It's probably my favorite part, but it's like, they expect him to be this great player day in day out. And it's like, we do know it's like the regular season, the regular season, 72 games now. It just this happens. He's gonna have shitty games. I think the one criticism right now from for Steph Curry, even from Warriors fans, and we haven't seen this in a long time, is that he's so great off the ball that he's used to playing that way with a lot of people that know how to play with him. And right now, he's playing with guys that don't know how to play that way. The counterpoint is that Steph can actually play on the ball and handle and run a defense an offense too. But it just seems like he doesn't want to. And I think that that's a little bit of a criticism of stuff today is that he's just not willing to do that because he has to kind of rewire his brain to play the way that people want him to play, which is Kyrie, Harden, KD, all those guys, Giannis even. Um, and he's just not he's just not that guy. So we'll see if he gets – because he could average like 35 points. I just don't know how much that matters. Um, but we'll see how it goes. It's only been 16 games. <laughs> For sure. I You talked about Steve Kerr and how stubborn he is. My question, I have never asked a Warriors reporter, and I've had conversations with this a lot with other friends. How many rings does Mark Jackson get if Steve (laughs) get that job? I'm gonna still go at zero. I feel like people forget some of the weird stuff about Mark Jackson. I mean, that would be a fun podcast to do. The dude told the locker room that Festus Azili was rooting for them to lose because he was out injured to the point where they had like a confrontation and Festus cried pleading his case that uh, that wasn't true. Um, His assistant coach also got fired because he was secretly recording what Mark Jackson was saying. That's also a fun one. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff with Mark Jackson. I will say this. So he should have been, he should have been ousted. He also played a style with the team that, um, that was very like, actually, now that you mentioned it, he actually played a style with Steph and clay where uh, those guys get to shoot as many times as they want it. It's, it's like basically what Warriors fans ironically want those guys to do right now. Um, now, if you told me for some reason, if KD wanted to go to the Warriors and Mark Jackson was still the coach, then I would say, yeah, they probably win anyway. <laughs> like they probably, yeah, I'd say, Andy, I Andy, Andy, or I could have coached the team, the, <laughs> the 2017 team with with KD and all those guys. But but, but KD uh, would not have gone to the Warriors if Steve Kerr was the coach. Then is is the, is the counterpoint to that. Um, so I, I would say zero two. But like Mike Brown had that team ready to win a championship with KD. 
Um, and actually now that you, and, and now we're on the K- Steve Kerr topic is actually one of the biggest reasons why KD left is that he wanted to play a certain way that was more conducive to uh, his style, right. To what he wanted in the late game situations. And Steve Kerr, like he is right now is saying, well, you're going to play my way. <laughs> you're going to play in this system that I want. Um, and that's one of the reasons what Kyrie said, I mean, KD said, Hey, I'm out of here. I'm yeah, trying to he wanted to play more ISO ball yep. and Steve didn't want to. I think it was like he, they basically changed. It was like more ISO and then less and less and less and less. And then it felt kind of like KD was just requiring more in order to stay, which is very interesting. Do you think Steve Kerr gets fired at the end of this year? No, no chance. In fact, 90% of uh, the complaints that we hear on on our show and just kind of like the general sentiment there is because there's like, it it just feels like there's no... um, I don't want to say pressure, but like no urgency with anything. You know, it's like he's not getting fired. They're not firing Bob Myers. They're like, I, I, I highly doubt anything's changing there. And so it just feels like there's no urgency to do anything ever. Here's a random question with Kelly Oubre now engaged. Who's the now, who's now the king of horny hours for the Warriors? Oh, without a, <laughs> oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, Clay, Clay Thompson Clay was the king before, even with Ubre, a single Ubre. Yeah, they put Steph, Kelly Ubre, and uh, and and Clay Thompson on one team. It's it's not. It's just it's not. What is the point? Come on. Uh, but Clay Thompson, <laughs> who was going out with what is what was her name? Laura. Um, I, I forget her name, but she was. Uh, they were going out for a little while, and all the Warriors fans were very happy. Uh, it seemed like Clay had turned a corner, and then unshockingly, they broke up, and now Clay's back. So. He's, he's a king. He's undefeated. There's no, there's no beating the Rick Fox of his generation. <laughs> he's so smooth. So under, um, he like undersells himself. Very smart. Have Pretty you ever heard anyone say a negative thing about Clay Thompson? Like, are there Clay Thompson haters out there? I mean, cause you know what's crazy is there's a guy in this office who says that top, is Clay is not a top 50 player in the league. Cause he looks wow. at advanced, uh, analytics. So, so for him, because he listens to this pod religiously, tell oh. me where you rank Clay and why and why the analytics don't matter when it comes to Clay. Wow. Wait, we're talking did about his, before, before he tore Clay? everything in both of his legs. Yeah, correct, correct. <laughs> Pre, pre-injury Clay Thompson. I mean, how many wings are there that can score 20 points consistently, shoot ef- efficiently, and play high level defense. Like it's one of those things where you're like, Oh, well, and then you start making the list and, you know, it's like obviously Kawhi, Paul George, uh, Jimmy Butler. Um, and then you, you know, Jason Tatum. And then you're like, well, maybe clay might be the fifth or sixth best wing after those guys. There's just not a lot of players who can do the things he does. Even if he can't like dribble through his legs, like James Harden or any of that fancy stuff, he just, he's wildly effective at things that contribute to winning. Look at the Warriors this year. They replaced him with Wiggins and Oubre who are starters, right? They're starting caliber average, maybe slightly at best, maybe a little above, maybe, maybe not. (laughs) And they, and Steph still want to, he's probably still the best point guard in the league and he's still an excellent player. And they're a decidedly average team without his presence, right? Like, even it, it takes Steph scoring 60 for them to beat Portland, who's like a pretty good team, but probably not going to win a title, right? Like, right. those, and then, but then you put Clay on that team. And I mean, I don't think Portland ever beat them in a game that mattered over the last decade. And, you know, Steph was always, always the better player, but like the combo of those two is just like, as good as Dame and CJ are, they didn't exactly I th- I have think any success the, against them. That's the fit stuff with Clay. I think the analytics don't look too kindly on him because he doesn't have defensive stats. So no real steals, no real blocks. Uh, but he's like the best defensive assignment guy that the Warriors can throw on someone. He's probably the best three and D like wing player in the NBA. Like specifically, shoot threes, defend wings, defend guards. Like that's the guy that's the best in the NBA. And he can also play next to everyone else. Offensively, the analytics are, are also aren't great because I can get to the free throw line. Like his field really percentage play, is just, He's not really yeah. a playmaker. Like analytics don't really bring into account like – him running in a circle, taking three defenders and Draymond getting a layup on that play. And like, we've watched Draymond play without Clay and Steph. 
that layup's not there without them, right? Like it's what just it just kind of is what it is. Like there's he has like a, a freak out capacity to defenses because like he can miss ten shots in a row, they're still going to pay attention to him no matter where he is on the court because we've seen him make ten shots in a row immediately after missing ten. So while I have you here, before I let you roll, what is the or court of the way? What is your prediction for what this team is going to end up doing given its current starting five and the trajectory that you've seen in the last few games? I, for me, I, I'll, I think that Steve Kerr is going to actually create some urgency here. I think he's realized there is a lot of mistakes that he's making literally because I think he's stubborn because he wants his offense to run a certain way. He It's like Phil Jackson. Um, when, when Phil Jackson was trying to like, push the triangle onto players in the modern age where they were like, this is just not how we play basketball. And I think that's what Steve Kerr's doing with a lot of guys like Eric Pascal, Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, James Wiseman are just like, look, this is great in theory. I get it. And if you had Andre Godal and Sean Livingston and KD and Clay, this would make sense, but you don't. So let's just play a normal way where everyone else is playing right now, spread the floor, run out a lot of high pink and roll. I think he'll end up doing that. I think the Warriors do end up being, a six seed or a five seed. And unfortunately part of that is because Portland's injured. Like that actually, like sadly enough helps the Warriors. I think there's a lot of West teams in the league, the uh, West teams that aren't very good either. Um, so I'll probably have them as a six seed um, and, and staying out of the playing game. I'll be a little lower. I think they're going to keep riding this weird win two, lose two, win three, maybe lose two and kind of end up in a seven, eight seed. Um you know, I think they can put up a nice little fight. Steph will definitely steal a game or two against like the Lakers, but it's not going to work out for them. And then I think it gets interesting because I think you're going to start seeing a little pressure on the team. You're going to get the, uh, I did the good soldier thing all year. I'm not signing up to have the entire rest of my career look like this. So do something a little more aggressive. Steph is gone. You heard it here first. That's all I'm saying. I'm Steph, saying he's Steph is gone. End of the end of the year. Hasn't signed. Has not signed an extension. Nope. Hasn't really talked. There you go. A lot about the fact that it's going to get done. Certainly, if you're watching, um, what you're watching. If you're Steph, you're certainly evaluating your options. I don't hear any Clay Thompson. I'm a warrior for life. Talk. That is for <laughs> sure. Um, right, right now, we're trying to get Clay out of a walking boot. That's 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 starting point right there. That's starting we'll, point. we'll worry about what jersey he wears after that. <laughs> and you also get the first round pick for the Wolves. 2021 probably going to be a top five pick. So maybe they'll uh, convince Steph that that guy's the next coming uh, of Jesus. Or maybe or maybe they'll package that in Wiseman and, you know, offer the poo-poo platter of next superstars to, you know, what, so, whoever, whoever the next guy is who, who, who demands a trade, Bradley Beal. Uh, I don't know. Like, have we ever gone more than six months without some superstar demanding out? Someone's going someone's, someone's to ask for a trade. If you gave Wiseman and a first to the Wolves for Carl Anthony Towns, would it work? Yeah. I think I think I do that in less than a second. Yeah. I mean, is it, it, it kind of times up to what we were we were talking about, where it's like Towns is actually in a part of his career where he's contributing to productive winning basketball, as opposed to being this theoretical guy who, in two thousand twenty four, could be the best big man in the league, right? So, like, with, with that pick, that. with that pick, the Wolves can even draft like you know, Car Anthony Towns. So <laughs> we could, they could even do that. So, uh, no, I think the Warriors would do that. I think, um, I think the Minnesotas, man, they, they lost that trade really badly. Um, D'Lo, they're a losing team. They're a losing team with and D'Lo. We get to, and then we get to reunite Wiggins and Towns, which everyone's been, you know, crying <laughs> right. for on the internet. They're just like, right. we need to see them together again. Yeah, big smokers. Loving, loving the trees. <laughs> the San Francisco trees, I heard. So, that's all the time that we have. Thank you so much. Uh, for Sam Espendiari and Andy Lou for coming on. I am definitely going to be hitting you guys up as more Warriors news comes through. Uh, I'm going to be definitely keeping my eye also on Draymond Green and James Wiseman and uh, whether he gets ejected again for cussing out his own teammates. So thank you. <laughs> I'll see you guys thank soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you, right. Bye, guys. Let me just say this before we get into listener DMs. If, if someone goes back to a hoopty from a Benz, 
you don't need to ask where they're going to be. They're not staying <laughs> with you. So I just thought I would say that for anyone who's listening. If they think that the, the, the money that they make has no influence on the relationships that they have with others, I just had to say that. <laughs> Let's get into some DMs. All right. We've got uh, Why No Co-Host on the pod. First of all, that's a little disrespectful to you, Marty. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> Come on, guy. Like, you are a contributor in a huge way. But what I would say is uh, there's a lot of male journalists that cover the NBA that are solo. Quite a lot. You've got Colin Cowherd. You've got Zach Lowe. Zach Woj. Lowe. Woj. There's more if I think of uh, them. Haberstow, maybe. Haberstow. Yeah. Dunked on. Nobody's asking, hey, guys, why don't you have a co-host? <laughs> Fam. I mean, the answer is, one, I think I'm good enough to do it by myself. Two, my natural inclination is to lift others up. I was a host myself where I would just deliver lobs all day, <laughs> making everyone else look good. And people said, we're not really sure if you're funny. We're not really sure if you have a POV or your takes of your own because everyone else around you, you're teeing them up. You're like, what do you think about this? Oh, yeah? What about this? So now anyone who enjoys this pod, they have nothing to say. The only reason it's funny is because I'm funny. (laughs) If you like the take, it's my take. I think I said this in a prior episode, but I I love to collaborate. But I want everyone to know that I'm I'm that guy. Mm-hmm. The guy that Donovan Mitchell clearly is not. <laughs> I want everyone to know I can put the cinder blocks on my back and walk up the mountain alone because I'm built like that. And if you don't like my POV, there's no one else to blame but me. You don't like it? Cool. But it's mine, how I built it, and no one else's. Okay. Uh, who's your all-time favorite athlete? Did you see this um, Scottie Pippen? There was a clip that just came out the other day. Scottie Pippen hits. He's shooting free throws mm-hmm. in the early 90s. He misses a free throw, and before you can even know what's going on, Michael Jordan comes out of the sky and slams it down with a fever that you've never seen. And you're like, holy moly, <laughs> what was that? And that is something that was got me thinking about Jordan, why I thought he's so why I think he's so great. He was one of those guys who it was not enough for him to dominate you. It was not enough for him to show you how good he was. He needed to embarrass you on all levels at all the time. It doesn't matter if it's the third game of the season or in the Western Conference Finals against the Blazers, which that was against the Blazers that game. (laughs) He needed you to know that there is no shot. You aren't even on my level in any way. Not in rebounds, not in defending, not in dunks, not in shooting, nothing. Don't even get that into your head. He is, to me, the origin story of Kobe Bryant and LeBron James and so many others. So I think you have to say, for anyone who grew up playing basketball, that your all-time favorite athlete has got to be Michael Jordan, or it's sacrilegious to a degree. Yeah. Would you agree? I mean, everyone our age just had that. I mean, if you if you say you didn't, you're lying. Like, I mean, Space Jam, all those titles. I mean, it, 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 there was something about him that was just excellent, and you were just drawn to it. It's true. Yeah. Uh, if you could change any of your NBA league predictions after the first month in the books, uh, would you? I said very early on that the Clippers were trash. <laughs> I think they've won 13 games already. <laughs> they've just been quietly winning, no drama. I It almost is like they don't exist. I haven't watched a ton of their games because on, they're on super late. But they had a couple of huge pickups. They got this guy, Serge Ibaka, who's really good friends with Kawhi Leonard, Nick Batum, who I felt like was basically retired and on his last leg, and now he is back, balling. Are they contenders? I don't know. Wait and see. But I think I was wrong about them falling off, having one of those, like, we'll call it hangover seasons Mm -hmm. after you lose in that fashion that you lost. So 
I'm not a big playoff P fan, pandemic P fan, as everyone knows. So wait and see. But if I had to say one team that has been a surprise, it would be the Clippers, which is crazy because the expectations were already so high. But that's what hate will do. What do you think about the Clippers? I think they're good. and I mean, This isn't like a groundbreaking thing, but I think they're good. We'll see it in May, June. Facts. That's all the time that we have for the This League podcast. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please review on Apple and on Spotify. If you have multiple devices, do them on multiple devices. Unsubscribe and resubscribe. That makes a big difference. We also have some This League hoodies in the Barstool store. Thank you for listening. We will be back on Friday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.